Praise God, praise God. Let's stay in this attitude today. Hallelujah. How many believe that Jesus is worthy of our praise today? Amen. Hallelujah. God is so, so good. He's doing good things, big things. Big things in our life, big things in the life of our church, amen. His church. We could say our church is his church. I want to tell you a couple things today, um, just an, an extension of our announcements, big things that are happening. Um, first of all, we have leadership class tonight, uh, 6 o'clock to 7.30, and so come to that. The second thing that I wanted to, to tell you is um, we're getting back on the mission field again in person. Amen. We've taken a couple of trips since COVID, but not like we were before COVID. And, um, and, and we had one trip where we took a, a few people, but um, at our core, we're a missions church and we won't ever be anything else. Um, I believe that if we lose sight of the mission that's set in front of us and specifically world missions, we stop investing in the world, then we've deviated from our purpose. And if we deviate from our purpose, then we open ourselves up to all kinds of stuff. We're going to talk about that today in the message. And so we're getting back to our purpose and our mandate. And um, I know this seems like it's a little ways away, but um, in September, we're going to be taking a, a trip to Philippines. We want to open that trip up to our uh, church familia for anybody who wants to go. And so next Sunday, right after church, uh, we're going to have a short informational meeting um, about Philippines. If you're just interested, if you come, it doesn't mean that you're signing up to go, but it means that you're curious. Come and get information. We're going to talk about how much it's going to cost, how much do you have to take off work, um, what's the ministry going to be like, what's the food going to be like, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so if you're interested, plan to stay a little bit after next Sunday. Um, it'll be in the chapel up front. Plan to stay a little bit after, and you can ask all the questions, and then go and pray, and you and God decide uh, what you're going to do and what your part is going to be in that. And the reason I say it like that is because whether you get on an airplane or not, you don't get out of this. We're a church familia, and when we go, we go. We all go. Amen? That means we contribute financially. We contribute in prayer. Amen? and we go as a church family. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. We are starting our new series today leading into Easter called The Origin of Redemption. And I, I'm urging you, the next five weeks, I'm urging you to do everything you can not to miss any services. And the reason why is because these are very important to know where we came from and what Jesus did for us. It's a foundation for everything that we are. Invite your friends. This is the foundation for who we are as followers of Jesus. Over the next couple weeks, too, we're going to be announcing some really big things over the next few weeks. And so um, good, good stuff that's happening here, here at Word of Life. In the Garden of Eden, after God created man and woman, he showed them two trees in the middle of the garden. It was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He told them not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil or they would die. It wasn't 
It wasn't a physical death. This was a spiritual separation from who God had created them to be. When they ate of the tree, they immediately begin to question God's plan and they begin to trust their own plan. The Bible defines sin as falling short of the glory of God. Scripture also tells us that God's ways are higher than our ways. But when we introduce our limited knowledge into the equation, we begin to trust our way above His way and we fall short of His glory because we're placing more value on us than we are of Him. When Adam and Eve ate of the tree, it says they immediately knew that they were naked. Now, I don't think this is just talking about that they were naked physically, but it's also saying that they immediately knew that they were vulnerable spiritually and they had never been vulnerable before because they had been in the secret place of the Most High God. And when they stepped outside of that, they became vulnerable. As we go through Scripture, this is called a transgression. They stepped outside of who they were created to be. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says the wages or the price for sin is death. And so we've all committed sin, and if we've all committed sin or fallen short of the standard of the glory of God, then we are all sentenced to death. Every one of us are sentenced to death. But Jesus came to provide a way that we could get back to God without us paying the physical price of death. He lived on this earth 100% without sin. So he didn't have a price of his own to pay. He paid our price in full. And to receive that gift that he gave us, we simply have to return to what our origin was. We simply have to acknowledge that his way is above ours and that he is our Lord. The Bible calls this being reconciled to God or restoring the original relationship with him. Definition of redemption is this. The action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or the clearing of a debt. If we look at redemption in the Greek, and the Bible was written to us in, in Hebrew and in Greek, a little bit of Aramaic language mixed in there, but when redemption is used in the Greek, the Greek definition of redemption comes from a root that means this, to loosen or to break. I want to say it again, redemption at its root means to loosen or to break. Because the grip of death and hell and the grave were so tight on us that we couldn't break free. The power over us led to us looking desperately for relief and things like substances. It left us, our desperation left us looking for hope in social status, it left us looking for peace in job security and in money. It left us looking for physical, emotional, and intimacy 
in another person. And all of these things done in our wisdom led us deeper and deeper and deeper and the grip to be tighter and tighter and tighter. We ended up wounded, bruised, conflicted, and beaten. I want to say it again, four things. Wounded, bruised, conflicted, and beaten. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, it explains to us our state. We had no hope, and we were without God in the world. In this series, we're going to talk about what Jesus redeemed us from. What he broke the grip of Satan off of us from and gave us the opportunity to have freedom in him. Pray with me one more time today. Father God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for your love and your goodness and your acceptance. God, we thank you for your favor that's on us. And so we ask during this series... That as we open up the scripture, that Holy Spirit brings it to life to us. We call upon ministry of Holy Spirit as our teacher to teach us, to guide us, to lead us. God, no matter where we're at in the state of our spirituality, God, that you would open up our eyes to understand the sacrifice of Jesus in a way that we never have before. Give us freedom and joy in your Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. What a good day in the house. Amen. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse number 1. Isaiah 53 verse 1. This is going to be our theme scripture for the next four weeks. I know the series is five. This is our theme scripture for the next four weeks. Isaiah 53 verse 1. It says, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid As it were, our faces from him, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. But surely he has borne our griefs, and he's carried our sorrows. And we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was on him. And by his stripes, we are healed. I want to put a phrase uh, in, in, in your mind or in your heart today. You may have heard this phrase before. It's in a song that we sing. I was found before I was lost. I was found before I was lost. See, even before I knew I was lost, Jesus made a way for me. I was found Before I was lost, we could say it this way, I was restored before I knew I was broken. He had already made a way for me. Our focus today is 
He was wounded for our transgressions. He was wounded for our transgressions. My sin, my brokenness, it left me wounded. But he was wounded for me so that I didn't have to be wounded. The definition of of transgression. A lot of times when we read that scripture, maybe we think transgressions mean sin and and iniquity sometimes we think means sin. So if we've got transgressions, if we've got iniquity, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He wouldn't say the same thing twice. And so what's the difference? This week we're going to talk about that he was wounded for our transgressions. Next week he was bruised for our iniquities. The definition of of transgression, when we break it down into the the prefix and the suffix, is this. Trans means across, beyond, or on the other side of. And that's just according to the dictionary on Google. Um, It's interesting, when you look up, what does trans mean? Nobody? Nobody? You get a lot of interesting responses, but definition of trans is this, across, beyond, and on the other side of. Gress, G-R-E-S-S, gress, it means this, to step. So to transgress means to step beyond, to step across, to step on the other side of. Transgressions, when put together and looked in the original text of the scripture in the Greek, it means this, rebellion where we have deviated from the glory that was intended. Rebellion because we've deviated from the glory that was intended. See, when I step across beyond and on the other side of what God has intended for my life, I'm in rebellion of who I was designed to be. I've become a transgressor or I've become lost in my transgressions. I've stepped outside of what my origin was or what my purpose was. And when I step outside of that origin or that purpose, then I introduce into my life a foreign substance, a, a different atmosphere that I was never designed to be in. See, the reason sin hurt Adam and Eve so bad is because that was an environment that they were not intended to be in. They were never supposed to experience fear. They were never supposed to experience shame. They were never supposed to experience life outside of the covering of God because there was a protection. There was a shelter around them. The foreign substance entered into our life triggers a natural fight to eliminate it. The foreign substance can cause an infection. When we have a wound in our life, that wound can get infected because it's exposed to elements that it was never meant to be exposed to before. You have an open wound. What do you have to do? You have to cover it up so that that wound doesn't get germs in it and become infected. You're around those germs every day and you don't become infected. Why? Because we have a barrier, because we have a shield. But when your inside is exposed to 
elements that it wasn't meant to be exposed to, then germs come in and infections come in. And what can infection do? Infection begins to spread throughout your body. Infection can kill you just because you got a cut on your hand, just because you got a wound. That infection can kill you because you're outside of where you were designed to be. It's a wound to our system. We have layers, skin to guard against that. But God has given us that layer of protection. It's the same thing in our spirit. When we step outside of our origin, it creates a wound. You could say it creates a cut or a laceration that exposes the inside to elements that it wasn't designed to be, and our spirit becomes infected. Our spirit becomes infected. The act of redemption is that Jesus received the wound for us. See, we transgressed, Jesus received the wound. Amen? I'm going to say it again. We transgressed. We stepped outside of what our origin was, but Jesus received the wound for us. He received the cut for us. Jesus was broken for us. Jesus was shot for us. Jesus was exposed for us so that we did not have to experience the infection of sin in our life, but we could experience the freedom that we have in him. He took the wound. We experienced the freedom. Amen? Hallelujah. We can only accept his wounds when we admit that we have transgressions. We can only accept his wounds when we admit that we have transgressions. That's why we can't expect a message of turn from your sin to be effective on a non-believer because if the definition of sin is to fall short of the glory of God and they don't believe that he's glorious, then they don't care about his glory. Amen? But for us that are being saved, amen? Paul says those that are being saved, the gospel is the power of God. For us, we recognize that when I fall short of the glorious standard of God, I need to get back into that place and thank God that Jesus took that for me. Isn't it amazing that he took it for those who didn't even understand? He took it for those who didn't even care. He took it for those that will never call on him but he took it for all of mankind, amen? 1 John 1, 9, it says, when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us and forgive us of all unrighteousness. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. Forgiveness doesn't come upon our confession. Forgiveness is already ours. Did you know that? Forgiveness doesn't come upon our confession of our sins, but when we confess our sins, we're going to God and we're saying, God, I understand that there have been times in my life or maybe right now that I've transgressed and I need you to take the wound. And I thank you that you did. It's when we make that declaration that, God, I need you, I confess that I have sin, and I recognize your sacrifice that we're cleansed from that unrighteousness. And I could say it better this way. It's when we recognize that we begin to walk in it. See, it was available to us the whole time. But we begin to walk in it when we recognize, God, I have sin and I confess that I have sin. And because I have sin, I recognize that the only way 
was for you to provide for me. And when you provided for me in Jesus, I can stand clean and whole and secure. Amen? I can stand in righteousness. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness or we begin to walk in the righteousness that he's given for us. The first step in redemption is our admission that we need a Savior. See, this is not just in the life of the, of the non-Christian, but it's for those who are being saved. It's for those that are being saved. Many times we walk around with the facade of perfection as Christians. We walk around with a facade of perfection. You may think that what you're doing is keeping up your appearances for your neighbor, for the people you go to church with, for your enemies. You may think that you're keeping up those appearances, but what you're doing is you're literally chaining yourself to your transgression because you're not admitting that you have sin. You're chaining yourself to the transgression and allowing the infection of sin to spread in your life, bringing you death and destruction in your life. As you begin to look into the perfect law of liberty, that's what James, the book of James calls the scripture, as you look into the perfect law of liberty and you recognize the places where you're falling short, the places where you aren't meeting the standard, as you recognize the places where you're not walking in your redemption that was fought for you, that was bought for you, that was secured for you through the wounds of Jesus, it's your confession that allows the precious blood of redemption to do its work in your life and to set you free from the law of sin and death. It's saying, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I understand that I've sinned. Jesus, I understand that I've transgressed. And, I, and as I admit, I take off that facade of perfection and I say, Jesus, I need you. And he says, I've provided for you. And you begin to walk in the freedom that you found in him. Amen. Hallelujah. You walk in the freedom. Let me show you this as an example in scripture. Jonah chapter 1. We're going to read a lot of chapter 1. We'll go just barely. I think we're going to read all of chapter 1. Then we'll go just barely into chapter 2. The book of Jonah. starts off like this. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amidia, or however you say, I don't know how you say that name. If you say it different, that's cool. Jonah, the son of Amidia, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now where he went was to Joppa. Do we have it up there? Yeah, I thought we had it somewhere. Now where he went was to Joppa. And he found a ship that was going to Tarshish. And he paid the fare and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Not only, I think this is interesting, not only was Jonah running away from God, but he was paying to get away from God. He paid a fare to go away. Now here's the thing too. He was called to go to Nineveh and he went to Tarshish 
Nineveh was about 500 miles from Joppa. Tarshish was about 2,500 miles away from Joppa in the opposite direction. So Tarshish is way over here. Joppa's here and Nineveh's like right here. But he paid money to flee from the call of God because he did not want to be in the place that God had called him to be. Well, when he did, he became a transgressor. He was stepping outside of where God had called him to be. The scripture goes on to say, But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. See, sometimes we see the wind coming, and we think the wind is punishment. We think the wind is judgment. I would say here the wind is the mercy of God. Wind represents Holy Spirit that has come in and say, whoa, man, you need to stop and you need to go the other way because there are some ugly things coming towards you right now. The wind was the mercy of God. Well, it says that the wind started coming. The storm was blowing in. God brought the wind as a warning to not step out on your own. The wind should not incite fear. When the wind comes in your life, the wind should not incite fear in you. The wind should spur obedience in you. I better start obeying what the word of the Lord said. I hear the Holy Spirit coming in. The same wind that came in that filled the, the upper room with fire that day, I hear the wind coming in, and the wind is the Holy Spirit saying, there's a storm coming, so I need to turn around and go the other way. That's what the word repent means to turn around and to go the other direction. Jonah was literally going in the opposite direction of what he was supposed to go, and the wind came and said, turn around and start going the other way. But what did Jonah do? He doubled down. Do we have anybody that's stubborn in here? Anybody? I know it's, it's the person next to you, right? It's not you. I get that. But... Um, if we have anybody stubborn in here, have you ever just doubled down? You're like, no, I'm going to dig in my heels. I'm doing it. Well, that's what Jonah did. Goes on to say, the mariners were afraid. And every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. See, now it was starting to cost them money. It was starting to cost them resources because of Jonah's disobedience. It says, but Jonah had gone to the lowest parts of the ship, and he had lain down, and he was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come, let's cast lots that we may know the cause of this trouble that's come upon us. See, they recognized there was something going on in the spiritual. This wasn't just a physical thing. There was something going on in the spiritual. Everybody started calling out to their own God. Well, this dude's asleep. Wake him up. We all need to be calling on our God because if not, we're going to die. Somebody messed up. We've got some judgment going on right here, and we've got to fix it. What they didn't understand, it wasn't the judgment of God. 
But what Jonah was experiencing was the result of his disobedience. He was outside of the purpose and the plan of God. And when he stepped outside, he was exposed to things that he was never meant to be exposed to. That infection was starting to spread to who? The other people that were on the ship. They didn't do anything wrong. But that infection started to spread. When you're outside of the plan and the purpose of God, that infection begins to spread. You'll see it in your family. Guys, I'm just, I, I'm being honest with you. You'll see it in your family. Man, I'll do whatever it takes for my family. Well, will you follow after God with everything that you have? I mean, usually what we mean is I'm going to sacrifice. I'll go without that toy so that my kids can have, you know, I, I won't buy this or I won't buy that or, or I'll work extra hours or that's usually what we mean. What about in the spiritual? Will we do whatever it takes? Will you go and get help when you need it? So that you can be 100% for your kids, for your family? Will you be vulnerable and talk to somebody? I, I, I mean, let's get real today. Are we going to do what it takes to be there and to be the people that God's called us to be in the purpose and the plan? Or are we going to transgress because of our pride are we going to transgress because something looks better? Are we going to step outside? Are we going to step beyond? Are we going to think that our way is better than his? It's what Adam and Eve did. God said, don't eat of this, but it'll be okay. I'm going to eat of it anyway. And then all of a sudden, they're vulnerable. And they never understood vulnerability before. All of a sudden, they're hurting and they're broken and they never understood that before. They're separated and they never understood separation before. See, it wasn't God that walked away. It was their actions that said, I'm going to do this outside of what God has spoken to me to do. Look at this. Jonah, they cast lots and they said, what is your occupation and where do you come from? What's your country? What people are you? And he said to them, I'm Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made this sea and the dry land. And then the men got really afraid. And they said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he told them. And then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more and more troubled. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea, and then the sea will be calm for you. In other words, kill me. Kill me. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. See, the people in the boat, they didn't want to throw Jonah overboard. They were scared, but they didn't want to throw him overboard. But whenever we are not aligned with our purpose, it creates an unhealthy codependency on others. Because our dependency needs to be on God. But it creates an unhealthy codependency on others. I need you to fix this for me. I need you to reach out for me. That unhealthy codependency just drives us deeper and deeper and deeper. It says, nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to the land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempest against them. 
Therefore they cried out to the Lord and they said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with innocent blood for you. O Lord, have done it as it pleased you. O Lord, have done it as it pleased you. I'm sorry. He goes on to say, So they picked up Jonah and they threw him into the sea and the sea ceased from his raging. And then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now look at this scripture right here. I think I have it up here. Next one. Now the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. This guy ran away from his purpose. He ran away from what God has called him to do. He said, I don't care what God said. Nineveh is here. I'm going that way. I'm going as far as I can. I'm going to disappear on this boat. And then a wind came and said, you better turn around. He said, no, I'm going to double down because I am not going to obey the word of the Lord. My way is better. I'm not going to go to Nineveh. I don't like those guys they don't deserve to be saved I mean we see that later on I think it's chapter 4 in the book of Jonah I'm going to double down because my way is better and he goes to sleep everybody's freaking out he's infecting the whole ship everybody's going to die he says just kill me and get it over with because he would rather die than follow his purpose and they're throwing him overboard he's introduced into the sea the infection has totally ran its course and Jonah's done for right and it's what he deserves but God prepared a great fish sometimes we look at the fish as judgment I think the fish was grace because Jonah made a decision to run away from God but God said no I'm going to prepare a fish for you and I'm going to give you one more chance and so the fish comes, and he swallows Jonah. I think normally when whales eat things, they don't just chill in the stomach for a while and then come out later, right? I mean, they've got teeth. They've got digestive systems, right? But God prepared a fish. Isn't that crazy that God used creation to save mankind? He used a fish to come and to swallow Jonah and to say, do I have your attention now, my friend? What are we going to do now? You can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. You're chilling in this fish. I can tell him to eat you the rest of the way if you want me to do that. Or we can sit here and talk for a minute. Three days, chilling in the belly of the fish, just like Jesus in the grave, right? Wasn't it grace to send Jesus to the grave? Jonah, thrown overboard, but it wasn't obedience, it was disobedience, right? But he was wounded for our transgressions, right? See the parallel there? See, it's different because Jonah was there and had the opportunity to die because of his transgressions, but he was saved. Jesus, he said, so you don't ever have to do that anymore, I'm going to take it for you. 
And I'm going to take that wound for you, and then I'm going to spend three days in the belly of the grave. I'm going to spend three days in the belly of the earth, and then I'm going to rise again, just like Jonah was spit up onto the land. But I'm going to rise again so that you don't have to go through that anymore. I don't want you to do the Jonah thing. Amen? So I'm just going to pour my grace out on you now. Amen? See, Jonah, three days in the belly of the fish. I believe that the fish was grace on Jonah. Amen? God prepared the fish. And then the scripture says, And then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And what did God do? Silent treatment. You should have followed me. You're getting what you deserve, brother. That's not what he did. That's not what he did at all. Maybe that's what you would do, but that's not what he did, right? I'm going to prove a point. I'm not going to return their text for a couple hours, right? I'm going to leave them on red. I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. So the Lord spoke to the fish. <laughs> the Lord spoke to the fish. That's not the first time in Scripture that God spoke to fish, right? We see other times in Scripture where God spoke to fish. He put a coin in a fish's mouth so that the disciples could pay their taxes. I believe he spoke to fish, and he said, get in that net when the disciples threw their nets over and their nets filled up with fish. See, God has the ability to do whatever it takes to get a message to you. Amen? Praise God. He preserved Jonah. The Lord spoke to the fish, and the fish vomited Jonah onto dry land. That's nasty. But he wasn't dead. He vomited Jonah onto dry land. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. That was Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. See, God's persistent in your calling. If it's God today... It'll be God tomorrow. He was persistent. He didn't say, bro, you missed your window on Nineveh. I'm not going to let you off that easy. Mm -mm. No. So we go through this whole thing, run away from God, try to get away from it. Wind comes, dig in your heels, go to sleep, throw me overboard, spend three days in the belly of the fish. The fish vomits you up on dry land, and God says, hey, got a job for you, bro. Why don't you go to Nineveh? For real? After all this, I still got to go to Nineveh. God says, I'm not giving up on your purpose. I am not going to look around and say, no, you've missed your window. You're still called. You're still chosen. Church, I don't know what your journey has taken you to today, but you're still called, but you're still chosen of God to accomplish his purposes and his plans in this earth. I don't know how broken you've been. I don't know how stupid you've been. I don't know what you've done and who you've hurt and who's hurt you, but you're still chosen but you're still called of the almighty God. So why don't you get back in because he was wounded for your transgressions. 
He was wounded for your transgressions. I don't know where your transgressions took you. But you're welcome back in the arms of God. But I need you to recognize that you've transgressed. And you say, God, I've transgressed. Show me how to get back. God, I've transgressed. Show me how to get back. And he was wounded. He took the infection for you. Now look at this. He said, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose went to Nineveh. According to the word of the Lord, lo, Nineveh was a, uh, an exceedingly great city. Look at this. I don't know where the fish threw him up, all right? We don't know that. Uh, fish didn't have GPS on him. We don't have that on the map. The fish threw him up, and it was a three-day's journey. So we know that where he was was somewhere between Joppa and Nineveh. No, I'm sorry, Joppa and Tarshish. When he was thrown and the fish swallowed him. Somewhere in there. So at very best, he was 500 miles away from Nineveh. At best. Maybe he was 700, maybe he was 1,000. At worst, he was 3,000 miles because it was 2,500 miles away from Joppa, and it's nearly a line. If you look up a map, it's nearly a line. It's like Tarshish, 2,500 miles Joppa, 500 miles Nineveh, all right? So at worst, 3,000 miles. At best, 500 miles. It says where he was thrown up, he was a three-day walk. Now, I don't know how fast you walk, but I don't think I could walk 500 miles in three days. It's a lot of miles. 500 miles in three days. Maybe you can. I don't know. I didn't look up how many miles you can walk in a day. I could walk, what's that song? I could walk 500 miles. He didn't say how long, though. Three days journey. But it says Jonah entered the city on the first day's walk. So wherever the fish threw him up, he was only three days journey from there, and then God still multiplied and redeemed the time, and he got there in one day. Bro was a speed walker. He was like Olympic walker, getting there in one day when it should have taken him three days. When Jonah was thrown overboard, he was exposed to elements that he wasn't designed for. The storm may have been brought on by you, but it wasn't designed for you. And even though you stepped out of the glory of God because of your rebellion, God's grace has come to bring you back into place of purpose in record time and redeem the time. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. See, God didn't keep Jonah from the storm, but he kept him together in the storm. Psalm 119, verse 8, David said this, If I make my bed in the middle of hell, behold, you're there. See, in my rebellion, I may try to set up camp in some sketchy places. But that's not my story. Redemption sent Jesus to hell for me. And when I got to the room that transgressions had opened up for me, when I opened up that door, man, I was surprised because I saw Jesus already in the room. I want you to get that picture. When I got to the room, the transgressions set up for me because I had a place in the shelter of the Most High, but I transgressed. 
And so when I got to my room in transgressions, I opened up the door, but Jesus was already there. And he said, I've already occupied this room for you, so you don't have to occupy it. I've already taken it for you, so you don't have to occupy it. I saw Jesus in the spot that I was supposed to occupy. And when I cried out to Jesus, just like Jonah cried out in the belly of the whale, when I cried out to Jesus, I said, Jesus, I don't know how to get out of this place. Have you ever gotten somewhere because of your actions and you wanted to turn back, but you said, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to get out. I'm too far in. I'm too deep. Jesus, I don't know what to do. Jesus, I need some help. I don't know how to get out of this place. Jesus, I don't know how to get out of the mess that I made. I don't know how to open the door. I don't know how to get loose from these chains. I don't know how to escape this cell. Jesus says, look to me because I I am he who lives. I was dead, but behold, now I am alive forevermore. Jesus said, I have the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And so you don't know how to get out. Here's the keys. Take the keys. Walk with me. Let's go to the door. And all we got to do is put the key in the door, open up the door, walk through the door. That's all we got to do because I already did all the work for you. I was wounded for your trans transgressions and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven because I don't want you to get here again I don't want you to come back to this place amen I don't want you to come back to this place I think it's very interesting that God used the whale to transport Jonah to Nineveh So not only did his grace preserve him, but God used the whale to transport him to Nineveh. God not only kept you in the middle of your mess, but the origin of your story will not be taken. The origin of your story will not be thrown out. It will not be tread upon. The origin of your story is Jesus. The origin of your story is redemption. And maybe I've transgressed. Maybe I've stepped out of the plan and the purpose of God, but God is able. God is able. God is able to use your transgression as transportation for your purpose and redeem what the enemy meant to steal. I don't know where you're at today, but I'm here to tell you that God is able to use your transgression as transportation to your purpose. Amen. Hallelujah. But God can only do this. He can only redeem your transgression if you recognize that you've stepped beyond your purpose and you need help. John the Baptist came before Jesus, before Jesus came. And when he came, he was urging the people to repent. We said this earlier, repent just means to turn the other way. So maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. My message to you today 
is that God has a plan and a purpose that he's placed on your life, you transgress. The first thing that you need to do is to recognize I transgressed and I need to turn the other way. Jesus was wounded for you. Maybe you're tired of this wound. You're tired of feeling broken. You're tired of searching everywhere for a sense of purpose. God wants you back in his original intent. So maybe you're here today. You've stepped out of that purpose. I want to give you the opportunity to know Jesus. He paid the price for you. He died for you. And all you have to do is to recognize that you need him and to call on him. So I'm going to say a prayer today. I want you to say it with me. I'm going to invite everybody in the room, online, to say it with us as a show of support to those that haven't, because that's what Familia does. So we support one another. And a word of life for Familia. Whether you ask for it or not, when you walk through the door, you've become Familia. We're going to love you because Jesus loves you. We see others through the grace that we've been given, amen? So I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. I believe you died for me. And I believe that you rose again. And I ask you to come into my life to help me because I've transgressed and I need you. Thank you for taking the wounds for me and washing away all of the infection that sin has caused. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible tells us that if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, that you're a child of God now, you're in the family of God. If you said that for the first time, I want you to do something for me. the back of your seat is a QR code. It's going to take you to our website where there's a tab that says, I choose Jesus. Click that. There's a book to help you on your walk with God. Some tools that you can use to get to know him better. And also let us know. Write it on a card. Leave it in your seat. Send us a message on social media, whatever the easiest thing, whatever you're most comfortable with. We just want to rejoice with you that you're in the family of God now. Amen. I want to read this real quick in Acts chapter 3, verse 17. It says, friends, I realize that what you and, and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance. God was fulfilling what the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things. So now repent of your sins and turn to God, that your sins may be wiped away. One translation says, 
that your sins may be blotted out. Because we're talking about wounds. Many times when you receive a wound, proper care for that wound to get it under control is to blot it. So that your sins will be blotted out. We're going to stop the bleeding. We're going to start the healing. We're going to stop the bleeding. We're going to start the healing. It says, and then times of refreshing will come from the presence of of the Lord. Then times of healing will come from the presence of the Lord. Who I'm speaking to today are those of us that are Christians and we've transgressed. And maybe we've been putting on our facade, we've been putting on our church clothes and our church face. Maybe we've been pretending that we have everything all together. Well, word of life, we're not interested in who you pretend to be, but we love who you are. And there's no judgment in the house. We don't have any place for judgment because if Jesus doesn't condemn us, and the Bible tells us, it says this explicitly, who is he that condemns? Is it Jesus who died for you and is resurrected? It says, certainly not. And if Jesus isn't condemning you, who am I to think I have a right to condemn you? And so that has no place in the church. And so if you come today and you would say, Pastor Jason, I'm being honest today. I've transgressed from my purpose. And I feel like there's an infection. I just can't get a handle on it. I come to church. I sing the songs. I listen to Caleb. I even repost memes about Jesus, but none of it seems to work. Maybe you need to admit that you've transgressed so that we can allow healing in times of refreshing to come to us through Holy Spirit. Amen? Praise God. It says times of refreshing. He says, but he must remain in heaven until the time of final restoration of all things. As God promised long ago through the prophets, Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully to everything that he tells you. Guys, I believe that God has called us to be prophets to the nations. But we can't do so as long as we're playing church as long as we're pretending. And so why don't we stop pretending and we just get healed? Can we do that? Church, can we be real? Can we stop pretending and saying, Easter 2024, Easter series 2024, the weeks leading up to Holy Week is not just about the fact that we come together and we celebrate resurrection of Jesus and we hunt some Easter eggs and we eat food with our family, but what if it was about a journey to resurrection in your life, resurrection of purpose that started today, that started with you saying, I've transformed and I'm not proud of where I've been, but I'm humble enough to come to the feet 
of a Savior who received a wound for me, and I'm tired of being wounded. I'm tired of being broken. I'm tired of hurting. I'm tired of it. And I want to be healed. I want to be healed. Church, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to be honest. We're going to sing a song that's not that long. And I don't know if I'm going to pray for you or not. (laughs) The reason I say that is because the biggest act that happens right now is that you step out and say, I need you, Jesus. It's not about whether I pray for you or not. So Holy Spirit hadn't told me what I'm going to do yet. He just said do this. So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a second because I don't want to waste any time. I'm going to give you a minute as we lead into this song to come up. Your act of stepping forward is your faith, saying, Jesus, I need you. Then we're going to sing this song. It's the last thing we're doing in church today. It is 11-24. And it's the last thing we're doing. When this song is over, and this is the reason why I'm telling you this, okay? Don't mess around. Eleven twenty-four. We're gonna sing a song. These words have power, but your actions have power. And as you mix your actions with the faith of God, we just come up. We're not gonna come and ask you. You know how we do. We're not gonna come and ask you. Well, what would you transgress from? What did your transgression look like? We're not gonna have like transgression confessionals. This is you and Jesus, okay? But if you would say, I need to get back on the right track. Pastor Jason, I'm tired of just playing. I need to get back on the right track, and I am committed that the next five weeks is leading to resurrection in me. I don't know what that resurrection means. I don't know what you're being resurrected from or to. But I need it. I need it. I need it. So if that's you, everybody stand with me. If that's you, come to the front. Let's give it about 20 seconds or so, and then let's start the song. Hallelujah.